We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Tuesday, September 15th edition of the RotoWire NFL Podcast, Week 1 in the books. It's Joe Bartle, Jake Letarski, giving you all the waiver wire edition for Week 2, getting you set for your primetime matchup, and it's a big one. There's a lot of running back injuries already. We had uh, a couple of wide receivers burst out as well, some tight ends too that I think are going to be valuable pickups. This is going to be a pretty chalk chock full episode of guys that you need to pick up like week one always is yeah i mean the goal like we have in past years is we want to get you pretty much all the names that are out there you know there are going to be some chalk pickups that are 30 40 percent that are going to be long gone and first come first serve waivers that type of thing but we want to start with those regular guys and then hopefully move down the list to some flyers where even if you're in your 20 team double flex league uh, that that maybe you can get some utility out of so uh uh it'll it'll vary a little bit week to week you know we always have a little bit of a varied list but there are guys uh, uh, hopefully you listened last week because I know a ton of the wide receivers that we talked about last week are going to come up again, but there are a lot of new running backs on the radar, uh, some quarterback streamers, defense streamers. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Um, let's f- start first with the Monday Night Football action, just like mm-hmm. we've had in the past couple of seasons. 
two Monday night games were occurring on the first week of the season. Chris and Jeff took care of most of the Sunday and Thursday action, but yep. uh, probably do some due diligence, at least wrapping up what occurred on Monday. Steelers won 26-16 against the Giants in that first matchup. We had a James Conner injury almost, uh, you know, yeah, on cue much. it feels like, of right? Uh, Benny Snell is probably the surprising thing out of this whole game. He was the one that carried the ball almost entirely with James Conner out, Anthony McFarlane was uh, inactive for it, and that's a guy that mm-hmm. I've liked quite a bit for that, but he didn't even end up playing because they had him set aside right away. Snell gets 19 carries, 113 yards. We had Juju Smith-Schuster catch two touchdown passes. Roethlisberger's arm, eh, I can see where someone might have thought he was yep. throwing like Phillip Rivers. Mm-hmm. There was a bit more guiding of the throw than yeah. I've seen from him before. It started a little bit slow, but it definitely improved as things went on. Of course, Juju got his touchdown catches. He he looked like the perfect by low candidate in drafts this year wouldn't be surprised seeing him sneak up in the early second round next year of course overreaction week one we got to overreact to everything <laughs> but uh yeah you're right James Conner apparently he's avoided the high ankle sprain which is uh key you know he's not in a Mike Thomas situation which uh Jeff and Liz covered uh pretty extensively here in, in yesterday's show uh but because this is the waiver wire podcast we do have to I think there's one running back that fits our threshold. I like a little bit more than Benny Snell, maybe. But, uh, you know, don't want to spoil the whole thing now. But uh, Benny Snell will be up there on, on fab bids this week. If, if you know, James Conner has to sit out. And you, and you never know. Maybe they go to more of a timeshare. Or maybe if Conner does go out there and play, he, uh, you know, he aggravates it or something like that early on. Uh, Benny Snell becomes a one of the top overall pickups. Definitely in the top three running backs, I'd say. Uh, this week, but we'll yeah, top three. It. I was going to say there might be a second one that I'm more interested to, and it depends on the format um, out there. But I guess let's start. We'll we'll talk about the other running backs. I mean, we're not trying to foreshadow yeah. anything, but let's start with Snell since we're on this, and it's a crucial aspect for fantasy picking up purposes this week. Mm-hmm. What are you looking to spend on on Snell in a free agent? You know, uh, pickup situation like is this. 50% of your budget, 40%. I know we don't have the tools uh, out there quite yet to see where we're going with it, but it's somewhere in that range, right? Yeah, in the end, uh, even if it's even if Connor has to miss week two, it, it's still only a, a short-term ad in my eyes. You know, it's not like we're looking at the indie backfield and you're getting someone that's going to help you in week two and beyond for the rest of the season. So for me, I mean, it's going to depend on my situation. If I'm a Connor owner, I'm really only looking in the 16 to $18 range. I'm not, it's not quite a blow half your budget type guy because Connor will eventually come back. And I mean, even for a short term, they have Denver this week, uh, and you know they're eighth that's against true. the run. In, yep. in a, a, it's, it's a it's a team that's incurred definitely incurred some injuries, but uh, I mean even looking last night, uh, they did give up a pretty big total game to Derrick Henry, but three point seven yards per carry, pretty pretty respectable. Thirty one carries for one hundred sixteen yards, kind of kind of the perfect transition into this game. So basically, what I'm saying is it's not a great week two matchup, and it's not a whole rest of season expectation. So you know you spend. 15 to 20 percent of your fab budget and uh kind of roll with that from there and and that's what i'm comfortable with yeah i was surprised um to see snell get thrown into that and just completely dominate the target or i'm sorry the the carry share the one saving grace out of that was like wasn't really catching the running back passes they had a couple of guys that were factoring in jalen samuels as usual right what we'd Mm -hmm. anticipated at least from last season um was around doing some things once james connor was out i don't know like we watched or i watched that titans broncos game and you're right the broncos handled derrick henry pretty well but 
the game plan for the Titans is to stop Derrick Henry at all costs or mm-hmm. all costs. Like what do you what do you do then when the Steelers offense is going to be a little bit more dynamic or at least different than Derrick Henry? Does that open up space and opportunities mm-hmm. for Snell? I don't know. He looked pretty shifty. I, I've I've always thought Snell was a plotting guy that can just get three or four yards and that's it. I felt like there was a bit more, uh, I would say, athleticism in Monday night, Monday night's performance. Yeah, no, absolutely. And if uh, yeah, AJ Bouye got hurt for the Broncos in this in, in the later game, so you know if he has to miss some time, uh, that Denver defense that you know we thought pretty highly of is starting to maybe creep down the rankings, and maybe Juju can go out there and have an excellent game once again. Yeah, and then that would take away, of course, from Snell's opportunities to at least carry the mm-hmm. ball, but. I have to. I have to imagine you're favoring the Steelers again. They were favoring against oh, yes. the Giants. You're favoring them again against the mm-hmm. Broncos. Let, let's and Deontay Johnson looked good. Can I just one yeah. note on that? He led the team with ten targets, caught six for fifty-seven. He's you know he's nobody's Antonio Brown, right? But you can see in the way that they're using him that he is indeed kind of looking for that Antonio Brown role, short cutting routes, you know that kind of thing, mm-hmm. and and things that he can break out for yards after the catch too. So uh, you know I took a fly. I mean, it wasn't even that much of a flyer taking him in you know seventh eighth round kind of this year i think and uh you know he could pan out for these people especially in ppr leagues james washington looked pretty good too all three of those wide receivers it was it was ironic i, I mean i liked the steelers offense coming into the yep. season and really they kind of did more or less what i anticipated they're going to do washington was more of the deep threat too mm-hmm. had a few sideline throws yeah. again it was just roethlisberger almost mm-hmm. pushing the ball that made me just a little yeah. bit worried when i was watching that exactly game. the difference is only three targets for james washington to 10 for deontay johnson so i think the pecking order here has been established yeah yeah you're right um quickly with the Titans Broncos matchup we talked about Henry uh getting his rushing yards like you'd anticipate AJ Brown I was I mean again I have AJ Brown just about everywhere mm-hmm. so I was desperately hoping we would get at least a, a little bit of points and you know Tannehill does Tannehill things and overthrows the only touchdown AJ Brown had yep. towards the end of the game so I was only crying on well, my couch for a little bit yeah <laughs> well the big thing is is uh you know again a possible wide receiver to look at Corey Davis we always always knew the athleticism was there with Corey Davis he caught seven of eight targets for 101 balls for 101 yards sorry and that really kind of uh diminished AJ Brown a little bit but watching that game there was just one play that worked every single time it was just kind of a crossing right run. and Tannehill led him perfectly it's just it's something out of my Madden playbook you know I'm sure you're familiar with that it's just like this one play that Denver could not figure out how to stop and then you know losing members of their defense to injury at various points in the game that only made things worse but uh you know you could look aj brown would be pretty tied up and then you'd have Corey davis streaking across you know the middle of the field in that 15 yard general area and it was a sure thing every single time and it seemed like it was never quite adjusted to so he had that going for him you know the broadcast points out oh it's a contract year for Corey davis maybe he's mad they didn't pick up his fifth year option i'm sure his fifth year option would have been pretty expensive i think he was a first round pick yeah oh yeah, yeah. number four overall yeah exactly so you know a good player that's always had the pedigree now he's in another year with the system in Tannehill he could be someone you look at at the waiver wire but am I worried about AJ Brown long term no I mean AJ Brown's a machine of a wide receiver and he's going to find his way to the end zone like I said we would have had a salvaged fantasy day if Tannehill just didn't do Tannehill things anyway through 40 passes Mm -hmm. I mean if that's the case uh, and you you think Tannehill's throwing 40 passes every week Absolutely, Corey Davis should be somebody you pick up because Jonu Smith, Jonu well, Smith, I mean, and they just AJ ran Brown. a lot of offensive plays. He had yes. 43 passes, and uh, they had 34 run plays too. So it was a typical Titans game as a uh, controlling the tempo. 77 plays, you know, for perspective, I think what did Jacksonville run 50 plays this week, <laughs> and they so, won. <laughs> yeah, and they won. So yeah, okay. Uh, the Denver side, though, uh, things got. A little interesting for me, of course, Cortland Sutton was inactive for this game. That meant Jerry Judy got a chance to lead the team with eight targets. But uh, I got to start 
start on my early victory lap on Noah Fant here. He uh, he led the way there, five receptions, eighty-one yards, and the score. He looks good. And my biggest concern really with good. him, my biggest concern with him going into the season is is Drew Locke going to be any good? And at least uh, in the first half, the parts that I was watching, you know, he had his moments. He didn't look exceptional, but he certainly looked serviceable enough for an athletic player like Noah Fant to get his targets. And of course, uh, the fact that Sutton was out definitely helped both Fant and Judy. You get Sutton back in the mix; he's good for six, seven of those targets, and then maybe the volume goes down a little bit but uh you know fant in the red zone fant coming across the middle of the field there's they've got some and even even on yeah. some kind of tight end screens uh, you know you see that they've got plays designed for fant that's exactly he's gonna it. be he's yes. moving into you know the top eight tight ends for me after this performance he's someone that uh you know i i took him as a backup and i paid a backup price fortunately but uh you know i, I had kittle for example you know he's someone right. that all of a sudden fant will be starting in that league you know if i took if i had fant and evan ingram even fant and hunter henry like all of a sudden fant jump makes that leap for me so uh so far you know fingers crossed that uh that he can keep it up well that was the whole thing i was going to say the broncos offense was very clearly designed to get noah fant and have his athleticism and drew Locke, for credit that he deserves was able to capitalize it and make the plays i think when sutton returns and it's possible he could return a week two we don't really know for sure what his status was given the late start for monday's game if he returns, that's going to cut into Jerry Judy's targets as opposed to Noah Fant. I think it's very clear that Fant is established and they want to get him involved in the offense. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. I was always TJ Hawkinson over Fant. Exactly. Uh, and I, I think I still am. Hawkinson you, actually yeah. looked really good against the Bears. You won't this, see five Sunday targets too. for Tim Patrick or eight targets combined between Tim Patrick and Deshaun Hamilton. Right. That's a lot of where the return of Sutton eventually comes into play. Sutton, once he comes back, is not cutting into Fant at all. If Fant is available out there, man, it has to be like 18 leagues where he's he is. Pick him up. I think he's going to be a very credible starter mm-hmm. uh, in even shallow formats yeah. right now. Uh, the other thing about this game, Melvin Gordon, too, is looking like he's going to live up to that ADP that he's had. What was it, around fourth, fifth round maybe? Yeah. A little earlier late, than that? Late third, too. Yeah, some, something like that. Uh, he he looks like the number one guy. I mean, 15 carries to seven for Lindsey. Well, Lindsey got hurt. I mean, that's a, that's oh, a Lindsay huge— Oh, Lindsey got hurt? Lindsey got hurt uh, okay, and so has an MRI that. on tap. I don't think there's mm-hmm. results yet as of this recording, but it sounds like we're going to figure out what Lindsey's status is going to be even okay. Tuesday or Wednesday. Right. Yep. Even still, that. I mean, that's that's exactly why you were drafting Melvin Gordon. I was drafting Philip Lindsay in round nine because I thought the reverse would happen. Yep. But here we go. <laughs> yeah. Philip Lindsay's the well, one that's and, hurt. And Gordon gets the majority of the We work. do have to mention that uh, it was on a reception, but Melvin Gordon did fumble the ball too. Yes. Uh, so, so I was thinking, oh boy, here we go. Now it's going to be the Philip Lindsay show. And then Lindsay goes and gets hurt. And, uh, you know, I have no interest really in Royce Freeman. I didn't even list him in our uh, in our running back you know, ads. There's a lot of other credible options. I mean, then that's kind of the part of this week one. We already talked about Benny Snell. We'll get to the Colts guys as well. There's a few running backs, Malcolm Brown too. Just get it out there right now mm-hmm. that you're going to want to pick up instead. But yeah, I think it's going to be Melvin Gordon's workload almost entirely. So long as Philip Lindsay's out, we just don't know his status yet as of this Tuesday morning, uh, Tuesday morning podcast. All right. Woo, got through that. Before we get into the quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, I want to get a word from our uh, one of our sponsors, Owner's Box. Do you love the strategy of season-long fantasy sports? Live for the short-term gratification of DFS? Well, then be the first to try weekly fantasy sports. Owner's Box is here to change the game. Weekly fantasy sports keeps players engaged alive through drafting, social interaction, and a new, new layer of strategy that puts the power back in your hands. No more submitting a lineup and forgetting about it. Users will be engaged throughout the entirety of the contest. Compete with your opponent over seven days of fierce competition and get paid out weekly. The Owner's Box game provides users with a fun and engaging rule set that revolves around a number of game opportunities by roster position. Your players earn you points throughout the week, but 
only if you have enough games available at that spot. In addition, the owner box platform will curate a community among their users and allow them to engage socially in multiple different ways. Add friends, create groups, and rank up to elevate the trash talk and competition to the next level. Go to ownersbox.com slash and sign up for their exclusive beta right now. Each user who signs will receive 100 owner's bucks free that can be used to enter contest risk-free. Again, ownersbox.com slash rotoware. All right, so let's get to the quarterbacks. I think most of the, the podcasts can be focused on the running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. Mm-hmm. But there are some streaming options at the quarterback position that I think we have to talk about. First and foremost starts with... I don't know. I don't want to say our boy, but uh, Kirk Cousins really tore apart the Packers' defense when they were down by three scores. Here he has a matchup against the the Colts, who just made Gardner mm-hmm. Minshew a top fifteen fantasy quarterback, yeah. despite throwing twenty times. Yeah. So Kirk Cousins is thirty four percent rostered in Yahoo League, so he's definitely out there and available. He was kind of uh, at the fringe of maybe going as a backup quarterback in twelve team drafts, that kind of thing. Maybe he was dropped if he's your backup quarterback, uh, you know, in an effort to get like a James Robinson or something like last week. So there's a good chance he's out there. Um, yeah, and like you said, at Indianapolis, he um, Gardner Minshew threw more touchdowns than he did in completion. So the, the matchup at least seems a little bit savvy there. And I mean, Kirk Cousins looked pretty decent against Green Bay. He had the num- he was the number four pro football focus rated uh, graded passer. Uh, so there's that. And of course, uh, you know, the stat line isn't that bad, too. Some of that, of course, in garbage time, of course, but 19 of 25 for 259 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, four rushes for 34 yards. I mean, even without Stephon Diggs. The passing attacks seem to look fine. I mean, uh, Green Bay's defense definitely has some holes in it. There's no doubt. But that Cousins stat line I put, he was he did it in under 19 minutes like time of possession for the Vikings. And I think that was, I saw a tweet that that might have been an NFL record since they kept started keeping track of time of possession. So uh, given a very limited opportunity for Cousins, he actually had a pretty good game and he's moving forward to another good matchup. I could, uh, I could see him as a viable streamer in week two. Yeah, I'm... Like how much of that was really garbage time production as opposed to making the right reads and everything else. I mean, we saw Adam Thielen pile up the numbers late. There was a great throw over the top of the the Packers defense that resulted in kind of a comeback touchdown. But otherwise, I mean, early in the game they marched down the field with Calvin Cook running. Yeah, okay, fair enough. So I'm I get concerned. I really thought, and and you know this, we talked about this plenty times. I really think Justin Jefferson is going to be one of the best wide receivers of this class. And yet he was hardly a factor in it all. We have BC Johnson do some things. There's no reason to be concerned about the Colts secondary right now. Again, Minshew was a top 15 quarterback on 20 attempts. We had DJ Chark. We had LaVisca Schnault. Uh, and somebody else also scored touchdowns. I just don't know if if your passing offense is just singularly Adam Thielen and maybe Delvin Cook. Like, What does that really look like in a competitive game? I don't see the Colts having the offensive firepower to get ahead. So if the game script for the Vikings to win is going to be running the ball and the game script for the Colts to win is running the ball, how many passing opportunities are really going to be there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so that's fair. So uh, you're not you're not so much on the same game. Phil Rivers is only 27%. He looks a little <laughs> bit yeah. washed. So, uh, so <laughs> I don't know about You're being about nice. That. Good yeah. for you if it's being okay. a little bit washed. Yeah, fair enough. Um, to, to the point where I'm I'm almost ready to cut bait with my Michael Pittman shares that that – aren't leagues where I have, you know, deep benches or it's a dynasty format. But yeah, Phil Rivers, 27% owned. He gets Minnesota. Um, The only reason I write him on here is because, I mean, this Minnesota defense, the secondary in particular, uh, you know, maybe they'll get, uh, you know, some of their defensive line back, but but the cornerbacks 
are dreadful. I mean, Xavier Rhodes, Trey Wayne's obviously gone. We talked about that last week when, you know, kind of targeting some Packer receivers for DFS. But, uh, I mean, they made Aaron Rodgers look like the MVP again. And uh, Rodgers was the number one graded out player on pro football focus. And, of course, a lot of that credit has to go to Rodgers because Rodgers was piping these throws in on a, you know, on a dime, very accurate. Right. Obviously, we're not going to see that from Phil Rivers. But, uh, I mean, Phil Rivers still has... Um, I mean, he's got some good offensive weapons that he can use and maybe take advantage of some of these cornerbacks as well if Minnesota fa- fails to make the proper adjustments. So uh, he's possibly in play as a stream, but you'd have to, I mean, you'd have to be picking between like, I don't know who's all got bad matchups. Well, that's what like I was going to look got at Garoppolo too. Right. Or, or Daniel, I don't know if Jan- Daniel Jones has a good matchup. He was actually okay. But if you're, you're on the fringe cut line of quarterbacks in general, that's the only reason you think. Okay, so this like is that. one that I probably have to think about. Um, Joe Burrow, who has a Thursday night matchup, primetime, against the Browns mm. or the over under on that game is going to be like 40 probably <laughs> yeah see and I I watched that the Joe Burrow game against the Chargers and I didn't think he looked great but mm-hmm. there was a lot of athleticism and the same reasons we like Josh Allen as a fancy say, quarterback he's got that rookie Josh Allen in him where uh, that's, he might run around enough yeah, I, I, so I think I'm going to lean Burrow here. Like, if there's ever a time for Joe Burrow to be a fantasy star in the first couple of weeks, mm-hmm. I really think this Browns yeah. defense might be. But that's one mm-hmm. I imagine a lot of people might have to consider. Yeah, I'd put Burrow ahead of Rivers for the upside factor, but then at the same time, probably below Cousins for the safety factor. Okay, so how about, um, I mean, you mentioned Teddy Bridgewater last week and ended up being a, a fantastic call. Um, but how about his opposite person, Derek Carr, in that matchup, he's facing the Saints this week. Would you rather have Rivers, Cousins, mm-hmm. or Carr? Carr probably goes pretty much at the bottom of that against the okay. Saints. Like, Okay, so Tom Brady didn't look great, Okay, but I'm not quite willing to admit that he got that he's completely washed in the same way that Phillip Rivers is because the New Orleans Saints defense probably doesn't get enough credit. Lattimore completely shut down Mike Evans, so that's basically one side of the field that's uh, taken away if he can have another good game. So so Carr probably goes to the bottom of that for me. I, I'm, I'm right there with you. So that's mm-hmm. kind of the line of demarcation yeah. for these uh, streaming quarterbacks. We could also go with Gardner Minshew as well. Um, again, he had top 15 fantasy production despite throwing only 20 times. Looked mm-hmm. pretty good and efficient, and that's kind of what you're looking for with Gardner Minshew, who is always going to be a quarterback too. He faces the Titans this week. I'm not mm-hmm. sure you want to go against that Titans defense just yet, um, mm-hmm. but yeah. there is always that garbage time production element that could factor in. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, even though the Jags are clearly tanking, there's some good wide receivers in that group that he has he has got to throw for so 26 percent owned he's someone that yeah you could pick up as your second quarterback and maybe think about maybe look ahead to one year primary quarterback has a buy and see what his matchup is and play it like that is there any other quarterbacks uh that are possible streaming options that you're considering yeah. at the moment i mean we're looking at two quarterback leagues at this point uh you know you mentioned teddy Brid- bridgewater 22 percent. he's got a tough matchup against tampa bay uh tyrod taylor's only eight percent and he's got the chiefs this week uh the, you know, they look pretty good in the opener. Um, the only thing with Tyrod Taylor is, you know, maybe he gets some garbage in there and, and can serve as a streamer in your two quarterback. And, and of course, you know, I'd be, I'd have to go say Mitch Trubisky once without uh, getting through this, but um, <laughs> he's just as likely to get benched at halftime as he is to do what he did on Sunday. Again, uh, three touchdowns, you know, was good for those crazy DFS players, uh, you know, that really wanted to roll the dice, but still only 55.7% completion rate and 6.7 yards per attempt. So nothing too crazy. I don't, I don't think he great. He was like 20 on the pro football focus grade. So to put that in perspective, uh, you know, by their metrics, if you're a buyer, both Joe Burrow and Tyra Taylor had better games than, uh, than Trubisky. So, you know, still not in two quarterback leagues or, or ones where you have to be real deep with your streamers. Uh, you know, he's still not even that exciting. I think it's definitely Cousins, and I, you can absolutely make a case 
for Rivers if you have to. But that's about as far as I'm digging into the streaming options. Mm-hmm. And again, you can tweet us, JB Fantasy Sports, uh, at Roto Jake, if you have any of those quarterback lineup related questions. Well, one last note to throw in here uh, Tua, 9%. At what point do we consider the spec ad there? Not, not yet. I mean, they've already confirmed Ryan Fitzpatrick starting in week two. I mean, it's we know what Ryan Fitzpatrick is. There's going to be turnovers. Um, I mean, like the fact that Devontae Parker could miss multiple weeks is a bigger concern to me as far as a spec ad for mm-hmm. Tua than anything else. I mean, unless you are in a league that's really yeah. favoring rushing yards over passing, I just don't see well, any and, scenario. And chances are, if you're in a two-quarterback league, guys like Tua and Justin Herbert could very well be rostered as spec ads for later on. Yeah, yeah, I think it's I think it's possible. Let's move over to the running backs. There's there's a lot of big names out there, um, a lot of injuries. Where I talk about Benny Snell, you had a number two. I actually have a number three, and I have a number three because Naeem Hines is my number two, at least in pass-catching formats or PPR leagues out there. Marlon Mack, torn ACL, done for the season. Uh, I think it's already been confirmed Tuesday, but we were already anticipating mm-hmm. that was going to occur Sunday. Hines got a few carries before Jonathan Taylor really ended up factoring in, uh, scored one on the ground, one in passing. We know what Phillip Rivers can do as a quarterback. We just talked about him earlier. Well, he loves those pass-catching backs because he can't throw it more than five yards anyway mm-hmm. at this yeah. point in his career. Hines, I think, actually is a guy that you like, all right, we draft Tariq Cohen or James White in rounds eight or nine for X reason. This is what Hines gives you, yeah. as, I think, as a floor, especially now with Mac out. Yeah, definitely. I mean, JT's stock, is Jonathan Taylor's stock, is the one that goes up the most, of course, with Mac out because he's kind of your, your early down guy. But Hines... Um, it goes up maybe not quite as much marginally to JTs, but it definitely goes up, and it makes Heinz a week-in, week-out flex streaming option, especially in PPR leagues. I mean, he's only 20% owned, so chances are he's out there. Uh, he scored twice. I mean, that's something right there. And in the second half, Jonathan Taylor had 21 offensive snaps, and Heinz had 20. So take half of that. I mean— the offensive line is, you know, they didn't necessarily show it in week one, but the offensive line is regarded as one of the better ones in the entire league. So he's got that going for him. I think they're really going to get the screen game going if if Rivers might be as washed as we think he is. Uh, just Hines across the board, especially when this team is behind, too. Hines is going to get most of the work. So there's a lot to like about him. I think a case could easily be made for him being the number one back. And if, and if he's out there, I think you're going to need like a $22 fab bid. Okay, so about 25% of your budget if you're a $100 one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if you really, really, if you have to get him because you were a Marlon Mack owner or whatever, you were dependent on on something like that, you know, you might have to pay a little bit more than that. But I think 22 is about as high as I'd be willing to go because I think I might wait, wait it out for a little more of a home run pick that pops up. All right, well, let's talk about here. the other home run pick that really kind of creeped up out of nowhere i feel like but also there was reports of this occurring anyway malcolm brown was the dude for the los angeles rams on sunday night against the cowboys he scored two touchdowns he's only at 26 percent owned right now and it's very clear that he's the starter over cam makers 44 snaps to 24 snaps mm-hmm. he had basically all of the goal line carries as well and was a factor on third down i think there there shouldn't be any reason malcolm brown makes this list week two right there, yeah, we shouldn't exactly. be talking about he needs to be but, across the board but is he going to actually be fantasy relevant? I mean, we've had this conversation now, I feel like multiple times last week or last year when we were doing this podcast, and I'm not ready to be convinced Malcolm Brown is the guy. Are you ready to try and convince me? Yeah, last year while uh, Daryl Henderson was getting all the hype, I'm going back to 2019 draft seasons. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, maybe, you know, I'm not a huge girly believer. I'm not quite confident in his knees. Um, maybe Malcolm Brown's the guy. And, you know, it ended up girly being, having having a decent year. Okay, I'll, I'll take it. So maybe I was a year too early on Malcolm Brown, but no, I, I'm 
definitely a believer just because of the usage to start with 44 snaps to 24 for acres like you said uh on third down um he had eight third down snaps and acres only had one third down snap and daryl henderson who we would envision because of the player he is as maybe more of a third down guy got zero snaps on third down i mean um, Malcolm Brown definitely looks like the dude here. So uh, uh, gets both of the inside the five carries. That's a huge deal for me. And, of course, he converted both for touchdowns, so there's no reason to think he won't continue to get those carries. So, uh, yeah, yeah, go for it. Malcolm Brown, absolutely. He might be uh, one of your top pickups this week. Uh, I would say absolutely top three. How would you rank him? Snell, Hines, Brown, I think it's almost undoubtedly the easy three pickups for this week, and people that probably are rostered above fifty percent as soon as next week. Yep. How do you feel comfortable with them with your budget? Like, would you yeah. would you want to get both if you really if you want zero RB? Are you all in on Hines, Snell, and Brown, and just get every one of them and mm-hmm. say, hey, sorry, Tevin Coleman, uh, Rashad Vaughn, I don't know, like other other kind of castaway dudes, you're you're out. And we're just going to go ahead and replace all three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some of those guys on the drop list, and you know, we can get to that towards a little bit, but uh, Rashad, it's a Keisha. Vaughn, sorry. Keyshawn Vaughn, yeah, yeah, the Tampa Bay. Um, yeah, Daryl Henderson, of course, drop list. on Johnson, I'd even put on there. Marlon Mack, of course. Daryl Williams, there's no need to be hanging on to Devontae Freeman. You know, well, those... actually, Freeman said he's considering four teams to sign for week three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but... He... <laughs> You're rolling your eyes. Yeah, all right. Yeah, okay, so that, then he ends up with a couple weeks of, like, LeGarrette Blunt type production. Right. You know, if that. Remember, there's no camp, and it's all limited this year. Um, I think that... Uh, for me, Hines and Brown are 1A, 1B. I'd lean towards Hines in a PPR and Brown in a standard. I think that's enough to break the uh, break the tie for me. And I put Snell right behind because it doesn't look like Connor's injury is super severe. And Snell's kind of more of a short term as where these other two guys could get you longer term. Though the thing is, with the reason I, I put Hines at 1A and, and Brown at 1B is because I think Akers could eventually at least level the playing field there you know it's not like brown's going to be the top ultimate guy for the entirety of the season necessarily unless he keeps playing like this but i think uh heinz's role is safer for the rest of the season than brown's as good as brown looked in week one i don't think you're the rams and pass up cam Akers for jk dobbins unless you anticipate Akers can take the starting role away from malcolm brown fine you can give the excuse for covid camp for a reason why Akers has improved up to his draft pedigree mm-hmm. but there's no reason you invested that highly in him over other running backs available if you didn't believe he could be the starting running back over malcolm brown I, that that's my thought process so to me Hines is number one is my pickup i'm mm-hmm. still willing to invest uh 30 or 40 percent of my budget into malcolm brown because mm-hmm. even three to four weeks of a starting running back is three to four weeks that i can make it through and we have no idea what other injuries are coming up and everything else so i pegged it 22 to 27 for the top guy you're thinking it's going to be like a 41 I'm, I'm ready to go higher than that i mean there's we we saw a lot of those third or fourth round running backs that david johnson had a pretty good game melvin gordon had a pretty mm-hmm. good game um the, really the only one that was a letdown was the guy I drafted now I'm blanking his name. But like mm-hmm. there's uh well David Montgomery was kind of in that range too. Jonathan Taylor was a third or fourth round running back. So you were all we were all anticipating let's get that guy in the first round because we don't know what to do with those second round or RB two guys. Well really all of them did okay in relative to their value. Chris mm-hmm. Carson, another one example, two touchdown receptions. Mm-hmm. I think you want another running back right away. And when they are out there and available and look like they're going to have a role, whether it be Hines mm-hmm. or Brown um, for the foreseeable future you should be trying to go ahead and get those. Yeah, we're going to talk about a handful of receivers and then some kind of second tier running backs. But yeah, those three in whatever order you want to put it, you know, the the Hines, Brown, Snell, those are your top three overall pickups for the week. Uh, no questions asked for me. There was a few injury related notes that we should probably mention. So 
uh, starting first and for- foremost with Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, that was the guy I forgot to draft in the third or fourth, or that I forgot to mention in the third or fourth round. The only one of those guys to get injured, it looks like Bell is going to be out for potentially multiple weeks is what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Frank Gore is going to be stepping in as the starter this week. You know, it's 2020, so worse things could happen in this world. But Frank Gore is your starting running back in week two. Can't be what the plan is for the Jets. And I think taking the under on whatever points they score this week is probably a smart yeah, choice. I don't want to really <laughs> mess with Jets from fantasy, but I don't know. Frank Gore continues to prove all of us in the community wrong year after year. He's only 4% owned, so you can absolutely go ahead and get him. Um, I'm not really excited about Josh Adams, who had 13 snaps total and two carries total. But he would be kind of next in line if you're in your really, really deep league. Uh, LaMichael Pirine was on the inactive list, so uh, you know you'd have to be in, in a twenty-team league or more to really consider going out there. But you know, if you miss your bids on on those top guys uh, and want to throw like an eight-dollar bid on Frank Gore, knowing it's probably going to be short-term utility and being ready to face frustration with this Jets offense, you really, I mean, you don't pick up Frank Gore and and think he's going to score you know two hundred yards and two touchdowns. You pick him up because he's going to have like fifteen carries for sixty yards or something like that on a good day, and 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 hopefully we go with that. And then they have to move on to playing catch up because of who their identity is as a team. And they play the Niners this week. So, I mean, if you are Mm -hmm. really into 2008 revenge game scenarios, maybe you're interested in Frank Gore against his former team in the 49ers. But I want absolutely nothing to do with any Jets in this scenario against the Niners defense. I don't know. But if if you're seeing a a spot where uh, you still need Frank Gore in week three against the Colts, okay. But again, Niners this week, Colts next week, Broncos week four, Cardinals week five. Of that stretch, maybe running back two utility out of Frank Gore could happen in week five. And at that point, maybe Le'Veon Bell's back. So great. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a starting running back. Great. But guys, guys, there's nothing wrong with my hamstrings. <laughs> That's what Adam Gase wants you to think, right? Exactly. That's, That's what Le'Veon Bell's tweet, or tweeted himself. <laughs> I know a lot of those uh, from camp sort of resurfaced a little bit um we could talk a couple more backs though um these are kind of honorable mentions i guess you could say uh peyton barber he scored twice great fantastic i I know antonio gibson uh lovers are just super thrilled to see peyton barber do goal line work despite really only getting 10 carries Mm -hmm. uh he's also four percent owned again the two touchdowns we know what peyton barber is and we've been saying that now for the past two years with mm -hmm. buccaneers last year too and yet he ends up being a fantasy there's just a asset there's a path i mean gibson's role is going to grow there's no doubt in my mind that that happens but that eats into mckissick's role remember when their pr team we have to remember their pr (laughs) team released the depth chart and jd mckissick (laughs) was the starter like one you know we'll write notes on that because it's news and 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 whatnot but really have to really look at that with a fine-tooth comb to take anything serious out of that um but jd mckissick not effective. Only one of his five carries, uh, or I'm sorry, only one of his five targets he caught, three carries for minus two yards. So Gibson's role will grow there. But does that mean Gibson suddenly, who lined up in the slot plenty of times, is going to get goal line carries? Yeah, probably not. So there, there's something here with Peyton Barber. I don't get excited about starting Peyton Barber as my RB2 or flex, but there are formats where he deserves a roster spot. Yeah, especially in deeper leagues. And I, I imagine he'll be closer to 20% rostered by the end of this. Even even with the guys that we've already mentioned already out there, 
you can't pick up all of them. So there's going to be some, mm-hmm. there's going to be some steps back. I think Barber in a 12 or 14 team league makes much more sense to be rostered. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Barber will get picked up in our stake league fab this week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Towards I mean, it's only four or five running backs that are really can be rostered, but mm-hmm. you're right. That's, that's a, yeah. a good point. The other name to note, Miles Gaskin had 63% of the snaps. Of course, if you had Miles Gaskin as your starting running back for the Dolphins, raise your hand because everyone was mm-hmm. drafting Matt Breida or Jordan Howard. I was uh, on the Breida yeah. side. Many were on the Howard side. Well, both of you are wrong because Miles Gaskin ends up being the primary factor and get nine mm-hmm. carries is not much, but once at the expense yeah. of Breida and Howard who have much more name recognition, that that's exactly. worth that's worth mentioning. Yeah, that's it's worth mentioning because there are some deep leagues where someone like Miles Gaskin might get on the radar. I mean, okay, so this I'm going to take this opportunity to plug Jerry's uh, hidden stat line article. He goes through every single. I believe it's free for week one too. So jump on that if you can, because I'm pretty sure that'll go with the regular subscription package moving forward. But uh, he goes through every single backfield in his article, and he cat well at the very beginning he categorizes them into. One, here are clear workhorse backfields. Here are 1A, 1B. Here are timeshares. Here are committees. And then at the very bottom, he puts, and here's Miami, by the way. He, he just puts it in his, <laughs> in their absolute own uh, category because that's what they are. I mean, they had four guys, even Patrick Laird sneaking in the mix. Like, uh, who knows what the heck is going on here? Uh, Miles Gaskin had nine carries, a team high. So, if anything that worries me about my Brita Howard shares, I'm not ready to quite put them on my cut line yet. We threw out a lot of backs that are possible to cut. Um, but again, there's there's a spot for Miles Gaskin in your 20-team league out there. That's why he's at the bottom. We spent too much time talking about him already. That's fine. Uh, let's get a word from our sponsors, Prediction Strike. Prediction Strike is a fantasy sports stock market on which you can buy and sell shares of professional athletes as if they were stocks. Ever heard someone say, I've had stock in X player since day one? Well, now Prediction Strike makes that a real possibility. You had stock in Patrick Mahomes in his rookie year? You knew this would happen? Well, now it's a reality. Create a portfolio of all your favorite athletes and get closer to the game than ever before. To get started, simply visit predictionstrike.com and create an account. Then deposit funds to buy, sell, and hold shares of your favorite players, just like you would with real stock. Each game is like an earning report. If the player beats his projection, his stock moves up. It's just that easy. You can trade your shares of players at any time, as long as the player isn't currently in a game. Get started today by visiting predictionstrike.com and sign up with a code RUTAWIRE to get an additional $10 with your first deposit of $20 or more. All right, so moving over to the wide receivers, tight ends. All right, we talk a lot about this Colts offense. Well, I mean, the Paris Campbells uh, of the world actually ended up proving to be pretty good value. Robbie Anderson did some things, too, for the Panthers as well. Preston Williams now becomes maybe mm-hmm. the guy for the Dolphins uh, with Devontae Parker set to miss a few games. There's there's a lot. I mean, we mentioned all three of those guys last week as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. We were looking last week like, okay, here are some clear number two wide receivers that uh, are under our 50% rostered threshold that are that are out there. And, I mean, there are plenty of waiver options, and I think most of these guys are going to have to be bid on as opposed to someone, you know, you wait until Fab runs and pick them up later. Um, I'm really torn on my favorite here. I think the top, I've got three guys that I like the most, but there isn't a whole lot of separation between them. Of course, one being Preston Williams, 38% owned. Devontae Parker with that hamstring injury looks like he's going to miss multiple weeks. I mean, Preston Williams had 90% of the snaps and a team high seven targets against the Patriots. Uh, the only downside with Preston Williams, I like him plenty as a rest of season option, but this week he's got the Patriots. Or I'm sorry, this week, last week he had the Patriots. This week he had Buffalo. Buffalo's a very good team, one of the better defenses in the league. I put them in the same vein as San Francisco, Pittsburgh, and not just in terms of fantasy, uh, real life. And if Parker's out of the mix, Preston Williams gets more attention against the Bills. That's going to be tough. Uh, the other guy I mentioned, um, 
you know, earlier I alluded to maybe cutting bait with my Michael Pittman shares that that might happen. And part of it is because Paris Campbell, um, excellent. He's only 22% rostered. Um, he led all the pass catchers and snaps with 82.4% of them. And he tied for the team league in targets with nine, finished with catching six of those for 71 yards. And he even ran the ball once for nine yards. So that's an interesting little dynamic that boosts the fantasy floor a little bit. Uh, those, those are two of the guys. And then, of course, Corey Davis, which we mentioned in our Monday Night Football discussion. Those are the three for me that I think have the most, uh, you know, the most ceiling moving forward rest, like rest of season. Um, definitely low bids there than uh than the running backs that we're talking about but those are all players that i think should probably be rostered headed into week two definitely in 14 team leagues and probably in most 12 team leagues as well so you'd have all three of those over robbie anderson who did get eight targets in the score right yeah yeah robbie anderson uh yeah eight targets he had 82.1 percent of his team's snaps um i think obviously Corey davis has got uh He's got A.J. Brown. Of course, Paris Campbell's got T.Y. Hilton. Um, Robbie Anderson, I think that's going to be a little bit of a revolving door. He's going to be a player that you add or drop a bunch of times throughout the year because I still think, you know, we'll see here as Teddy Bridgewater builds rapport with these receivers, but I still think D.J. Moore is the guy, and I've got some faith in Curtis Samuel still. So uh, Robbie Anderson will have his big weeks, and then he might have his dud weeks too. Yeah, Anderson probably makes – much more sense in a best ball league, but you're not drafting him for a best ball league format at this point. You're mm-hmm. seeing if you can pick him up and start him. And it's, it's difficult. I can see a scenario where in a 12 team league, especially closer to bye week season, um, you're using him as a flex or something else like that. And sure. you might have to throw him out there. To me, he feels like a different looking version of Deshaun Jackson. And Deshaun Jackson has the opportunity to go for mm-hmm. 150 yards and five catches any day of the week. Yeah. He also can do three for 15. I only have, I only have one DJ Moore share among the leagues that I'm ending up ending up like managing actively during the season. Mm-hmm. And I think I might sneak him at Robbie Anderson is my last bench spot just because, well, if DJ Moore goes down, then I've at least got a, a team's wide receiver one, a B ish type that I can slot in there. Cause we're starting three receivers and there's a flex. And I don't think the cost will be very high to grab him this week. Yeah, you're right. I mean, relative to all the running back names out there and the wide receivers you already mentioned, he still feels like he's fourth to me out much. I mean, Preston Williams is a very clear number one overall. Mm-hmm. I think people are going to overreact to Corey Davis and his big game. Yep. Yeah, maybe he can do things in his contract mm-hmm. year that you weren't anticipating. Yeah. But the Titans offense normally isn't going to be throwing 40 yeah. times. So there's, I'm not a, going I mean, after that. there's a reason Preston Williams out of all of these guys is already the highest stone. He was 38% when I you know made this outline yesterday. He's probably closer to 50% now. And um and he's a guy, again, not this week, but he's a guy that we wanted to have on your radar last week, and he's someone that could help you the whole season, especially in these next couple of weeks without Parker. Let's get to some uh, wide receiver names that are probably more in the vein of 12 to 14, be even deeper leagues than that. LaVisca Chenault had a touchdown in his rookie debut. He played 62% of the snaps. DJ Char, Keenan Cole uh, did some things. Keenan mm-hmm. Cole, I get uh, Again, three for four on his target and then 34 yards to score. I don't know. I mean, he kind of did. They they very clearly were working him in, in the offense, using him as some running back packages as well, just like Paris Campbell. I think Jacksonville's going to have to pass the ball more often yes. than we saw in week one. So maybe there's um, possible junk time production, much like Chark had last year with the Jaguars. I, like, what's your read on him? Are you in a deeper format interested in him, or are you going to be mm-hmm. kind of fading him and letting your guys that you drafted be more of a reason? Yeah, Chenault absolutely intrigues me. I mean, DJ Shark is the number one on this team, but I think uh, Shark can maybe cut into Keelan Cole's volume a little bit as he uh, as the season goes on and he continues to adjust to the speed of the league. Uh, 
he only had four targets, but again, you have to remember Minshew only threw 20, 20 passes and they ran and they had like 50 offensive plays. Is, is that what I said earlier or something yeah. like that? So uh, there wasn't a whole lot of opportunity to go around, but he was still productive within that situation. And he lined up in the backfield on three plays. He carried the balls twice. He carried the ball twice for 10 yards and he had one direct snap. So they're designing plays around him for this rookie in this COVID year that apparently, you know, no rookies have had all that many reps. So I think Chenault's your sneaky guy that you can maybe throw two, three dollar bid in there and uh, keep on your bench. And, and and he could be a difference maker, you know, kind of in this class. I think uh, one of the 14 team auctions that I did that was uh, it was on the Sunday before the opening Thursday. I got Chenault for one dollar at the end, and I'm very happy with that. Definitely not cutting bait with him yet because uh, I think he's. I mean, obviously he's a rookie, so he's far from reached his ceiling. But he's kind of a sneaky guy, just because I like the creative ways he's getting used in this offense. How about another rookie, Quintez Cephas? Ten targets, our Wisconsin guy for the Lions, mm-hmm. uh, led the team. I think along with Danny Amendola for the Lions as far as. Uh, throws out there of course Galladay didn't play against the Bears I, I believe he was out he was ruled out week one yeah, was, mm-hmm. um, yeah he was ruled out entirely with the hamstring injury we don't know uh necessarily we don't have much on him heading into week right. two just yet so the thing with that is yes yeah, Cephas had 10 targets and I would absolutely he didn't do a ton with it but I'd absolutely look into Cephas again if uh, Galladay has to miss because that volume is something that absolutely cannot be ignored um and of course in, in that same uh vein Danny Amendola the number 13 graded wide receiver on pro football focus this week so both of those guys are kind of in play because you know the lions are going to be in competition for the number one draft pick probably going to be passing in the second half um both of those guys i mean one for volume and one because you know he's there and he's fine i mean i I think marvin jones actually uh he gets over our threshold i'm sure he's owned enough yeah he's 89 percent. so uh you know you're, you're looking at other passing options on that offense and i don't know i if Galladay's out, I'd cut Carrion Johnson for Quintus Cephas because I think Cephas could have more volume in that t- in that situation. If Galladay comes back, are you completely out on Cephas? Like, is he not worth the time? Basically, a, a Benny Snell version at wide receiver. Yeah, you'd have to have a pretty deep bench to want to hang on to him. He's kind of a plug and play. I love him in dynasty leagues. He was absolutely taken in our staff fourteen teamer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as he should be. Uh, I, it, was, it was odd that he went so low in the draft. You know, he had that random year off in college, but like physically, he's got a body type of almost uh, almost like AJ Brown, where he looks like he's ready. To be in this league right away and so it wasn't all that surprising to see him get the volume but you know Stafford missed a couple of those throws and then you've got you know your general rookie stuff in there I think there's a lot of names that wide receiver you're already picking up but I'm actually fine saying Cephas should be a part of that conversation regardless of Galladay is playing or not I'm not a huge mm-hmm. fan of Danny Amendola he certainly has his role in the offense and he has a, rep- a repertoire, repertoire with Matthew Stafford so that matters um, but I think Cephas is going to be a, a decent enough guy like Russell Gage, for example, for the Falcons, and the Falcons' office is a different thing altogether, especially mm-hmm. in their junk time production. But we can't understate this enough how bad the Lions are going to be this year, and there's going to be a lot of passing opportunities. So mm-hmm. even the number three, number four wide receiver in a in a bad situation could be a fantasy-relevant guy quite a bit. So I think I'm okay mm-hmm. with Cephas, and I was already extending the um, reasons to play for Frank Gore in his 2008 <laughs> revenge game uh, against the 49ers. Well, how about a homecoming against the Packers this week in Wisconsin, right? I mean, you could you could see a scenario. If it's, if it's anything like what Tyler Hero did to the Bucks in the playoffs, then uh, <laughs> apparently. I, you, you could see a scenario where Cephas gets four, four catches, 50 yards, and you're fine with that nine points, mm-hmm. um, even in the bench scenario. I got one more wild card for you to look at. Uh, 
how about Traquan Smith? You know, Michael Thomas says he's going to play through a high ankle sprain. Yeah, okay. Yeah, everyone says they're going to try to play. For, you know, I'm going to try to play in the NFL this weekend. You know, I'm going to go try to try out and be the Packers' next kicker. But like, that's not going to happen. I right. mean, if the Saints are smart at all, he's going to sit. Emmanuel Sanders already is like 80, 90 percent owned, so he he's going to be the guy, and he you know definitely shoots up in the rankings. But uh, where do you throw a guy like Traquan Smith? Uh, for me, it's more of a DFS tournament play in case he booms that one week because it's going to be really tough to rely on him in a, in a fantasy matchup, but he's in the mix. I think I'm perversely interested to see what the Saints offense would look like without Michael Thomas because everyone likes to make the argument that he's not a top five wide receiver, right? Like if you if you want to troll anybody uh, at your bar and you're like, hey, who are the top five wide receivers? You just make sure Michael Thomas isn't in the list and then somebody gets mad out of the equation and then there's a bar fight somewhere. That's how it always goes. Um, <laughs> but Traquan Smith, I mean, like if he ends up sliding in to the Michael Thomas role, what does that look like? Is Michael Thomas really the, the true feature wide receiver? Is he talented enough to get open and get involved? Or can Traquan Smith do Michael Thomas stuff? Because in, every, anybody can in the Saints. In offense. terms of a possession receiver, I really think uh, you know it's Emmanuel Sanders that handles more of that that type of role. He's going to be the guy that's moving the chains a little bit. But um, you know, looking the first couple of years of Traquan Smith in the league, nine point seven and nine point four yards per target. Of course, granted it's a smaller sample size. I think Traquan Smith. That's the reason why I said DFS tournament play because he's very, very more than capable of uh, making a big play. Of course, he only got. Uh, he only got one target in week one here, but look at his next three weeks at Las Vegas, home against the Packers, at Detroit. Those are three bottom ten pass pass or defenses against opposing receivers. Obviously, again, we have a week one sample size, but nothing scares me about those defenses right there. So if you are in a deep league and need a flex, you know, maybe shoot for the stars, try to hit a home run with a guy like Traquan Smith. I actually like Traquan Smith as a pickup more than I do Preston Williams. And this is more of a, just this week thing. So I think mm-hmm. the Buffalo defense is going to be yeah. hard. You have to I like him more needs. than Preston Williams. I like him more than uh, Corey Davis. We mentioned as well too. Uh, I think he's maybe like a top four wide receiver pickup overall. Um, and, and this is under the assumption that Michael Thomas is not playing this week. There's mm-hmm. no reason for him to play against the Raiders. Yeah. You never That's know. That's why. You never know because owners are going to be as active as uh, they ever will be all season on the week one waivers here. That's why I have to make, be competitive with these bids. But you might be able to sneak Traquan Smith in a 12-team league with a 0 or $1 bid. I, he yeah. could probably fall under the radar there. I think it's possible. I think LaVisca Chenault at number three or four, and then Traquan Smith after is about it. Uh, Anthony Miller doesn't quite fit our criteria he was at 56 percent owned as of this podcast however he should probably be more like 90 percent owned mm-hmm. since he was the third highest pff yeah. grade water this a, week he had a very quiet first half and wasn't really getting targets then he kind of came alive in the second half and was a huge part of that bears comeback i, I just put a bullet points with some of the grades here i mean anthony miller was the third highest i mentioned willie sneed was the sixth highest you know in uh, the ravens wide receiver here so you know a couple of guys obviously anthony smith is someone that uh I kind of liked, I de- definitely didn't get very many shares of him just because of where in the draft I was usually trying to scramble to address other needs or I'm not even going to make excuses. I should have gotten a couple more shares of Anthony Smith. He'll be viable Miller, for Anthony Miller. Anthony Miller yeah. Yes. I'm sorry. I was, I'm still on Traquan Smith. I'm looking at that <laughs> bullet point right above. Um, but no, he'll be, he'll be, uh, I think he's their wide receiver too. And he'll be viable as long as Trubisky is decent. But in that statement, there's, you know, there's a little bit of variability. I, I mean, this doesn't really factor into the waiver where, 
portion of the podcast necessarily, but I'm not sure if you're aware, Alan Robinson removed all Bears affiliation from his Instagram, Twitter, and social media feeds. Well, yeah, so did Giannis this weekend, but how Well, no, Giannis is leaving. I've been told by ESPN that Giannis is going to go to the Los Angeles Lakers and Clippers all at the same time Mm -hmm. and play for only big markets. So if that's the case, Alan Robinson's He's gone. And there's no way he sticks around with the Bears anymore. I don't know. It, it was interesting um, for Robinson to do that this week when he basically had to sit through all preseason of knowing, oh, God, this is going to be bad. Feels mm-hmm. weird to yeah, me. Yeah. No, I, I don't I don't put a whole lot of stock there's in that. There's going to be That's some podcast looking, that does. Somebody is looking for that. a story for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure. Okay, so uh, moral of the story here, Anthony Miller, type him in first if you're looking for a wide receiver. But chances are he's going to be owned. You yeah, know, um, he, would he be number one on this whole list among pickups? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I just so. assume. I just assume there's and, no. And that has that nothing that to not. do with Allen Robinson's right. Instagram. That has everything to do with Anthony Miller, even with Robinson being there. So you know, if the if the conspiracy is true and it wasn't, you know, do you, how many of these guys do you think are actually running their own Instagrams? You know, is that is that not a PR person or an agent or yeah, something you, like that's, that? That's a good point. So yeah, I, I just I hate hearing these stories because people want to overvalue and, and overplay them. Anthony Miller is good not because of what Allen Robinson did in his Instagram. All right, that's fair. Um, we talked about a lot of wide receivers who are dropping from the screen. Michael Pittman, you mentioned. Amico yep. um, Hardman, I've seen a lot of people on Ask an Expert and RotoWare be like, oh, what do I do with mm-hmm. him? Well, you were drafting Hardman because he would be great if Hill or Watkins or anybody was out. None of them are out. So yeah. there's, I mean, like, don't expect well, value from him right now. You figure in when the Chiefs are in competitive games, he'll get some deep ball shares. You know, when they're in more competitive games where they have to, uh, you know, throw the entire time and they're not, you know, just kind of protecting the ball for the whole fourth quarter, then Hardman might get more of a role because. I agree. It's going to be minimal. Watkins looked great. He looked oh, yeah. great on Thursday. He does we every haven't week really, one. He we does haven't, every week yeah, one. We haven't chatted about this, but like when the inevitable Watkins injury happens, or even before then, um, that's why I have like four Mecole Hardman right. shares. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for other players to drop if I'm going to try to get a Preston Williams or a Paris Campbell. I'm still keeping. Uh, I'm still keeping Hardman. Um, well, I was going to bring up Brian Edwards. I love Brian Edwards quite a bit, rookie wide receiver for the Raiders. We've had a lot of different people on the RotoWire station talk about him as well. Um, I know Mario and John are, are huge fans of his game. One one catch, one catch despite Ruggs being out for a beat, at one, least half the game. One target, one target. Like I mean, that's 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 not good, especially in a game where it was a shootout with the Panthers throughout. I'm I'm cutting bait with Edwards, especially if like I'll pick up Cephas over Edwards. Mm-hmm. I'm picking up Chenault over Edwards. That's that's a red flag for me. So I'm Nelson Aguilar over Edwards. Yeah, I'm not going down that <laughs> yeah, far. Maybe but not that far. <laughs> you're right. But, I mean, he scored in his debut and it was only had one target. But hey, Nelson Aguilar had many had just as many targets as Edwards did. Right. Yeah. So like that's that was a tough blow for me to see as as a huge Edwards fan. No way I'm going to be going that direction. Yeah. There's a lot of other names I'd be picking up instead. What, what if you're in a shallower league uh, and you saw how much Kyler Murray leaned on DeAndre Hopkins? Do you consider uh, maybe Christian Kirk can't really cut it this year? No, I think I'm still using Kirk because I think the Cardinals are going to be passing a lot. If anything, mm-hmm. I actually feel encouraged about my Kirk shares because there's just no way possible Hopkins gets thrown that much. Like there's there's got to be a defensive hey, overreaction to it. Bad quarterbacks have made livings on feeding Hopkins that much, and not that that's Murray, but true. you know if it can work for you know those kind of guys, you know if it can work for Matt Schaub or whatever, it can definitely work for Murray. So uh, no, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I respect the San Francisco defense as one of the better ones in the league, even though Murray had an exceptional fantasy game. Uh, five targets, only one catch for zero yards is a little bit worrisome. Um, I don't think I'm willing to drop. 
uh, Kirk for any of those guys that we mentioned that are that are out there. But uh, again, my hesitancy to do that has cost me in the past. I'll say this: the Cardinals always seem to have the 49ers number at least the past two seasons. If you remember last year, the Kenyon Drake breakout game happened against the 49ers on a Thursday night game, uh, a different contest. They also scored like 30-plus points or 20-plus points against the Niners when their defense had been all season long. So whatever the reason it is, Cliff Kingsbury, not a great head coach, but if he played against the 49ers 16 games in the season, maybe he has a, a positive winning record out of that. So let's move on to the tight ends. It was really the uh, death blow to a very bad fantasy week for me. My The love of my life, Blake Jarwin, is done for the season after tearing his ACL um, for the Cowboys. Dalton Schultz is now technically your starter, but if anything, this is going to be a boost up to CeeDee Lamb, yes. who I think gets bailed out, quite frankly, from a fantasy perspective. There is a mm-hmm. reason why I never drafted Lamb anywhere this year. Cooper had 10-plus targets. We saw Gallup factor in the offense. Lamb was going to do some things. Ezekiel Elliott was a pass catcher, too. And Jarwin, there's no way a third wide receiver does well. Well, okay. Now Jarwin's out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you're going to see Schultz and somebody else just do blocking stuff, and that helps Lamb the most out of any of the Yeah, any exactly. Of the I don't really think of Schultz or, you know, going down the depth chart. We've got uh, Blake Bell and Sean McEwen. Um, really nothing uh, interests me uh, among any of that group. If anything, uh, CeeDee Lamb, we're in the Des Bryant number out there. He's uh, big and physical enough to kind of play a tight end role a, a little bit. So I think you'll see him line up tight a little bit and uh, you know maybe try to slip some safeties in there. It helps CD Lamb. It doesn't really help any Cowboys tight ends. Uh, Dawson Knox had the fourth best, fourth best PFF grade. Only had three targets, though. That's why it's like, okay, cool. You have these awesome grades for PFF. Do a lot of great jobs. But from a fantasy perspective, does that really help us? Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan Atkins, he caught both of his targets for 39 yards. But it was actually Dan, uh, Daniel Fells. That was, I think, the more targeted tight end out of the two during that Thursday night game. I'll bring up two names that I actually am really interested to hear from. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't have a I had a, I had a really hard time coming up with tight ends. So I'm okay, curious to well, see where you go with this. You're gonna probably, be, you're I'm gonna probably going to be like, oh, duh. You're going to be really angry about this first one because we've had this conversation like five weeks last year. O.J. Howard caught the touchdown pass from Tom Brady. He got more targets than Gronkowski, played more snaps than Gronkowski. Uh, my friend Dylan Dylan McGee, who I do a Rotowire online championship NFFC draft, he sniffed this out from the very beginning. He said O.J. Howard was going to be more of the feature guy as opposed to Gronk, and it wasn't even an injury thing with Gronk. Howard was out there and was a factor. We know Brady loves to use his tight ends. He's only 18% owned in Yahoo. I am picking up Howard every single place instead of Jarwin, uh, who I have a lot of Blake Jarwin shares of. I think Howard's going to be a top ten fantasy tight end this year. Yeah, I can't believe I missed that, and that is uh, that's an excellent pick here. I'm I'm looking at uh, we have a team trends page. It's under stats in our main navigation on RotoWire. It's one of my uh, most helpful pages that I look at in, to prepare this. It's what uh, Jerry uses to prepare that excellent hint stat line column, of course. Uh, so looking at the team trends pages. Uh, Gronk is on the field for 77.1% of snaps, O.J. Howard for 52.9% of snaps, and Cameron Brait for only 10%. So that part uh, definitely isn't... um you know, it isn't in question. You know, we know what's going on there. And then I'm going to shift the navigation over to the targets part. And we have got, um, I'm going to look at it as a, as a, as a count here. Um, that would be whoop, six for Howard and only three for Gronk. So, you know, that alone, um, leads me to believe that, uh, that you're right. I don't I'm going to buy that. I don't have the data pulled up in front of me. I know you do. Um, the the most important thing with those snaps here. Okay, Gronk outsnapped Howard. I believe Howard ran more routes than Gronk, or at least ran a similar amount of routes uh, to Gronk. So, like when Howard was out there, he was the pass catching guy, as opposed to Gronk, where Gronk was doing 
uh, blocking stuff. Am I correct with that? I, yeah, I watched actually, uh, most of the game. Oh, I just found a bug. Our tight end route data isn't quite ready for 2020. Okay. I'm going to turn that over uh, soon. <laughs> but we do have that also under the stats navigation. Uh, we're going to talk to uh, Tech and get that up and running for you. But that's another a good tool to use because, yeah, I agree. I think of Gronk more of the blocker in that situation. I, I was setting a lot of my waiver wire claims this week already in preparation for it. And I ended up having Malcolm Brown, number one, one combination of Paris Campbell or any of those receivers, number two. O.J. Howard was number three, and I can't tell if it's because I have so many Blake Jarwin shares that I need to make up something for tight end. I really, really believe in Howard this year with Tom Brady's the quarterback. We know Gronk's injury history and the fact in week one that they couldn't get Gronk involved. I know it's the Saints defense, and they're okay sometimes. I just am – I think that's 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 one of my top five pickups this week, and there's a lot of really good ones. Mm-hmm. So I want to stress again, O.J. Howard yeah. is a guy that you need to be looking out for. If anything, yeah, the Saints defense is, is excellent, and uh, there's more room to grow there. And granted, I think Mike Thomas will get a lot more of those targets eventually, you know, when he's – when he, when he's maybe less injured and doesn't have Lattimore in his face all game, I I shouldn't be hyping up Howard as much as I am because there is a second tight end, and you already talked about Jerry Donabini in his article that's been great. There was only one person in the entire fantasy community out there that was saying go get Logan Thomas as your tight end number two. Well, look and behold, he had eight a team high eight targets for the Washington franchise, four catches, thirty seven yards, and a touchdown. Terry McLaurin didn't do anything. It was Logan Thomas. Uh, who I think could actually be a really, really good fantasy tight end this year for Washington. What does really good mean? Okay, mm-hmm. top 12, top 14. We already know the TJ Hawkinsons, Austin Hoopers of the world. If you lost Njoku, who was placed on injured reserve, if you lost Blake Jarwin and you don't want to go that O.J. Howard route, you've been burned too many times before, I don't blame you. Mm-hmm. I think Logan, Logan Thomas actually is a guy that gets 40 catches and 500 yards or something like that and could be a crucial red zone threat for a team that really lacks that um, offensively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, at 6'6", 250, big body, someone that you never really thought of as a pass catcher before. His career high in receptions is 16. That was last year with Detroit. Been kind of a journeyman. You know, He's a, He was a former quarterback, which I think is why we never really transitioned to see him as a tight end before. Hmm. Uh, finally got that work a little bit with Detroit last season. Buffalo was working him into that capacity too. I just, like, the, the skill set is there if he can be a route-running pass catcher, that's a big deal. And, again, you, Terry McLaurin, Steven Sims, who I liked quite a bit, we talked about last podcast, that's it. Do you know who the backup is to Logan Thomas right now? I didn't even have it up, but it's probably not good. His name is Jeremy Sprinkle. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Like if, if, I remember that. Yeah, guy. Jeremy Sprinkle is the backup. If there's somebody in the NFL Wait, it's that's— not Jordan Reed? No, I'm just <laughs> If there's somebody in the league that's name is Sprinkle and is your backup, you can more or less assume you're going to probably be a decent fantasy starter yeah. and then we or got at least Marcus starter in the office. Bow. Yes. So. 52 snaps, Logan Thomas playing. I'm, I'm yeah, just that's saying— that's 74%. Like, that's fine. Th- Thomas and Howard, I think, are actually in the top five mm-hmm. both— for fantasy pickups, and you're going to be going after the running backs and wide receivers, so you might be able to sneak both in there, and I think you're going to have fantasy utility for much of the season. Yeah, I have a little bit, I have an easier time, you know, digesting Howard if I need a tight end. If I really need a tight end, I'll probably put a bigger bid on him, and maybe a small bid on Thomas, because I, I, I just don't see very many weeks moving forward where Thomas, like, gets into the top 12 overall. It'll probably matter more in week seven, eight, nine, when there's just like a, a mad rush of bye week teams. Mm-hmm. So you're probably not starting him um, very often. Certainly, I don't know, like if you really feel comfortable going against the Cardinals and assume like last last year, the Cardinals defense or really multiple years, they've been so bad at tight end. I don't know if it's the case this year. George Kittle was more or less shut down. But was that because of injury? We'll find out in week two. I'm not saying you should necessarily start him. 
Cardinals week two, Browns week three, uh, Ravens week four. That's the first time mm-hmm. I'll probably say, uh, I'm not sure he yeah. gets you tight end two utility. Speaking of George Kittle, and actually speaking of Jordan Reed, like so George Kittle has a knee sprain. We don't necessarily know are super clear on his status, um, but what is there any? I mean, Jordan Reed and Ross Dwelly are next up. This is obviously a run first offense. Jordan Reed caught both of his targets for twelve yards Sunday. I mean, does he sneak onto here? Probably more than you know your Knox and your Schultz types. Yeah, it's it's tough. Um, more often than not, when someone gets injured, you're like, all right, don't play. It's fine. Right, Michael Thomas. We're, there's no way he could play in a high ankle sprain. Kittle throughout his career has already played on just ridiculous injuries he shouldn't be. Um, I think this probably qualifies. I just don't see a scenario where Kittle doesn't yeah. play. And he, he's already got paid, so there's you know there's less risk to going out there and really hurting. It's yourself. just it's just a, it's just him. I think that's just what George Kittle does is that he's going to go out there and play even when he shouldn't. So if he's out, I mean, look at the pass catchers the the Niners have. There's not many. I, I could definitely see Jordan Reed having some factor, but I would much rather have both Logan Thomas and OJ Howard, even in the scenario that Kittle's out. And I just don't see, see that way that, that Kittle's not playing Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I buy it for sure. All right, uh, let's get to the defensive streamers real quick here. Uh, we have the Buccaneers going against the Panthers, Packers against the Lions. You could pick either under or either, either or for the Bengals Browns Thursday night game. Is there any of those guys or any of those teams I mentioned that you're interested in? Yeah, it's Tampa Bay, and I always thought it was funny because I, I always use our draft software to do drafts, and uh, you know, but team defenses, you know, the rankings are so arbitrary. So I like to maybe see what the consensus rankings and the ADP and stuff like that are. And our draft software was always having Tampa Bay come up as a top option. So the guys behind the scenes list, Jerry, you know, Jim, Mario, you know, there, there was something there that um, you know that had them ranked that highly, and they came out and uh, you know. Obviously, they lost the game to the Saints, one of the better offenses in the league. But as someone who started Drew Brees in a couple places, he did not have a good fantasy game. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Tampa Bay is in there. They're available at 24%. They're the home team, technically, which doesn't matter as much this week. But uh, And they're against the Panthers. So um, it's tough. you got to deal with McCaffrey, but you also have to deal with Bridgewater and apparently a non-scary group of wide receivers there. So uh, Tampa Bay is number one for me. Um I'll disagree. I actually yeah. think that that Panthers offense is good enough from a junk time production standpoint mm-hmm. that I would be going after the Packers every single time instead with face the mm-hmm. lines this week. I'm trying to take my Packers blinders off no, the best I can. Maybe I'm that. overcompensating. It's, it's, it really isn't that. And I get it. The Vikings scored 34 points. Mm-hmm. Really, I believe there's going to be turnovers that happen. Um, Jair Alexander was a playmaker mm-hmm. against the Vikings in week one. He had the safety. He also had the pick. Um, the Packers defense is going to allow yardage and, and points. That's just going to happen. Mm-hmm. But what I really believe in, and especially in week two of this home game for them, is that they're going to be having sacks. Certainly that, that Lions offensive line is not very good, and they're going to be able to shut down the running game enough. Now, the only concern is that the Packers' nightmare snare for the last 12 years, Adrian Peterson, could have another vintage performance like he even did week one and get 94 rushing yards again. I really think that more – like I think Peterson's kaput despite what we saw week one. on Johnson didn't do a lot. Uh, if Galladay doesn't play, Galladay normally is a nightmare for the Packers too. Yeah, uh, it's. I, I would much rather have the Packers assuming we're going to get some sacks and turnovers as opposed to the Buccaneers who could allow this similar junk time production that we could see from the Lions to the Panthers without those kind of pluses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm sticking to Tampa Bay if they're around and uh, I'm – you know. 
Green Bay's in the mix. You know, Jerry's article's out. He doesn't have a, he doesn't even have Green Bay in the top five. He's got them down at well twelve, so startable, I guess, if you need to. Um, and then let's see what else do I have here. Uh, we talked about Cleveland Cincinnati on Thursday night. I mean, take your pick. That game's going to be one of the lowest over unders of the week. Ba- Baker Mayfield can't throw a pass with with any degree of a- accuracy. Maybe he wakes up dangerous Thursday morning, but seemingly unlikely. And then you've got the rookie on the other side, so you can probably take your pick out of that if you need defense because none of, neither of those two are going to be owned if you do need a one-week option. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the Packers over them too. That's mm-hmm. I actually think Burrow is going to have a pretty good game, and I think Baker Mayfield is yeah. going to have a pretty good game. I, I think that's... What about, can Gardner Minshew keep it up? Because the guy that, that I jotted down and that Jerry's got as well, um, you know, Jerry puts them down, they're like 50-51% in Yahoo, but only 22% in ESPN leagues. That's the Tennessee Titans. Um, now, we meant, I like the Buccaneers. Their opponent implied total is 20. The Titans' opponent implied total is 16.25 right now, based on the spread here and uh you know again this is a jaguars team that everyone thinks is taking Minshew had a great game on sunday but if you don't believe that last for whatever reason you know there's not much of a running game threat to speak of there some of the receivers are good sure uh but the titans look good last night and they seem like they could look good again i could i could get behind the titans i actually could get by the titans before the buccaneers so this is this is maybe i have faith i shouldn't have in this panthers offense and they scored 30 points against the Raiders, who we knew weren't going to be very good I just, entering this year. I, I don't know. I, the Panthers have good players, but the Saints, in my mind, are way better than the Panthers, and the Bucks handled the Saints pretty well. I mean, they limited – I'm looking at you know some of the things that Jerry brings up in his article. They limited Breeze to 5.3 yards per attempt. Um, he you throws know, 5.5 yards per attempt Fair anyway. enough. I mean, they, that's a they're, typical They're Breeze rushing game. attack with Kamara and, and Murray you know, and, and anyone else they want to line up back there. 2.4 yards per carry. Remember the Saints – they only scored 17 points on drives they started in their own territory. So they basically relied on, you know, the their, defense Brady, creating, yeah. Yeah, their defense creating turnovers to score points. And of course, they had that pick six. So keep that in mind when you look at how many points Tampa Bay actually gave up in that game. Um, and then the other thing that Jerry brings up here, which is awesome, the next two weeks, they've got Drew Locke and Tyrod Taylor afterwards. So if you're trying to look ahead and maybe not have to stream okay. in weeks three and yeah. four, That'll probably put Tampa Bay I, up there. I'll, as I'll well. give you that. Yeah, you're right. And the Packers, I think, have uh, well, no, they have a they have the difficult matchup a little bit later on in this. I think week three, they're probably a startable defense too. But I'm not I'm not remembering what their schedule I, looks I, like. I just I, I worry about the Packers defense. Yeah, they can get some turnovers, but at this point, it might this, okay. it might offset the negative points they give they get by giving up 30 points. We're gonna end the six minute defensive streaming conversation with our first Culver's board bet of the day. I or board bet of the, the season. I'll take the Packers defense to score more fantasy points than the Tampa Bay defense. Tampa Bay defense against... Okay, you're on. All right, there you go. There's our first Culver's board bet uh, of the Tuesday Word of Wire podcast, and that really ends it, I think, for the Tuesday Word of Wire podcast What scoring system are we going to use? Oh God, we're gonna do this. You're gonna you're gonna pull out your protractor and, and nitpick me on this. Well, I mean, it's two matchups. They're gonna be similar, and it's gonna it's gonna depend on you know whether you, what negative positive you're giving for yards and points allowed. Well, this is the Yahoo focused uh, fantasy podcast. Let's do Yahoo scoring for for these standard Yahoo scoring. Yes. Do they do they give or take points allowed? I don't I don't think so. I'm trying to think of the only league that we're both in together is probably Vegas League. We can just use that. All right, fine, fine. Uh-huh. All right, just All right, we'll use our <laughs> Yahoo when we're going off the 50% uh, owner rate. Fine, yeah. whatever, or roster yes. rate. As much as I'm sure everyone here wants to listen to us talk through our bets. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, finally getting one on the board. All right, good. Um, well, that concludes it for our, the Tuesday free agent portion um, of the podcast. Again, stay tuned. Wednesday, Jeff always has a great guest on. And then Thursday, John Amari, I'm sure going to have plenty of action to talk about getting you set for week two. Um, Scott, 
Scott, Andrew Laird, always great DFS listens as well for the Friday podcast. Really, the RotoWire podcast network is great. So step, uh, keep tuned to everything on tap mm-hmm. for the rest of this week. Yeah, subscribe, unsubscribe, rate and review if you can. We still very much appreciate all that stuff. Of course, you follow us on Twitter. Uh, you know, if you'd like for more, we'll, we'll always uh, be the first. And I like to you know send out retweet and all the content from the rest of our awesome football staff as well. All right, thanks for listening. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com